It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and to this week's Friday Five on Friday the 23rd of February 2024. My name is Rich Ferraro and in a few minutes we'll be hearing from Tom Newton and from the Maradona of the Midlands. But first of all, let's go over, Jamie's away this week, but over at the 1865 News Desk, we're delighted to be joined by George. Hello and welcome to your Friday Five News Roundup and a look at the Nottingham Forest news stories that have dominated this week. Firstly, it emerged in the build-up to Forest's win over West Ham this weekend that the Reds had employed former referee Mark Clattenberg as a referee analyst, a role that we haven't really heard of in football or in the Premier League before. Clattenberg refereed 291 Premier League games between 2004 and 2017 and has since overseen officiating in Saudi Arabia. The 48-year-old has built up a long-standing relationship with Forest owner Evangelos Marinakis while he was head of refereeing in Greece and has been appointed by the club to be their spokesperson to the PGMOL to communicate with them and about potential refereeing mistakes whilst also aiding the club as to understanding why decisions were made and the mindset of referees. Since his appointment, Clattenberg has spoken of his attendance at the city ground on Saturday and how the decision to combine inexperienced referee Tom Bramall with Tim Robinson in what was his first VAR experience of the Premier League season wasn't the wisest. This was following Forrest being denied a seemingly clear penalty for the second home game running as Maxwell Cornet stamp on Nico Williams' foot in the box was overlooked by the officials. Forrest will be hoping that the appointment will improve relations and understanding with the PGMOL. The Reds have made three complaints to the organisation about officials so far this season. On to the next story and plans for a new look city ground have been spoken about in detail for the first time by new chairman Tom Cartledge, a man with a background in development. Firstly, Forrest are exploring the idea of becoming the latest Premier League club to implement safe standing, something already in motion at nine of the 20 Premier League grounds and Aston Villa and Burnley are also looking at introducing safe standing. Internal conversations at Forest have concluded that the lower section of the Bridgeford stand, home to both home and away supporters, will be the area considered with cartilage describing the club's position as pro-safe standing. 
The plans will work alongside the redevelopment ideas that the club has, with the aim to raise the city grounds capacity to around 40,000. This will be an approximate increase on 10,000 on the stadium's current capacity and will be the first major work on the stadium since the development of the Trent End before the 1996 European Championships. Within the proposals, Forest have had plans to extend the Bridgeford stand by another 5,000 seats while completely replacing the Peter Taylor stand with a 10,000 capacity replacement. Forest also plan to build a new state-of-the-art training ground away from the current location that lies off Wilford Lane, a plan to get the first team, women's team and youth team all on the same site, with the club hoping to announce the new location in the coming weeks. This is alongside a museum that will be situated in the Trent End, work on that has already begun. Forest owner Evangelos Marinakis is hopeful that the redevelopments will be completed by 2027 and it's clear that the plans will go ahead whether Forest sustain Premier League survival or not. Furthermore, it has surfaced that the announcement by then-chairman Nicholas Randall in 2019 that Forest have extended their lease with the council of the city ground site by 250 years never came to fruition, with the current lease signed in 2011, running until 2061, the only one valid. Forest want securities from the council before any of the major redevelopment work mentioned earlier can begin, but have stumbled in negotiations over the annual fee. Currently, Forest pay the council £250,000 per year for their Trent side home, but Nottingham City Council are reportedly requiring that the fee almost quadruples to close to £1 million per year, something understandably deemed unacceptable by Forest. Talks with the council have accelerated since Tom Cartledge's appointment, with Marinakis keen for developments to begin as soon as possible and as soon as the lease agreement is settled. The owner and chairman have been clear that the relocation is off the table and an absolute last resort, with news coming yesterday that the government has appointed commissioners to overlook the council following the announcement in November that the council were effectively bankrupt. Let's hope these seemingly large obstacles can be overcame by all parties as I'm sure none of us ever want to see Forrest move away from the banks of the River Trent. Next, and in an interview with Football Friends podcast, former Red Joe Lolly has claimed that he was informed by Nottingham Forest that he was banned from using first team facilities and told that he would train with the youth team over text by their manager Steve Cooper. He left the club in August of 2022 following promotion and after missing a penalty in the semi-final shootout, saved by Bree Sambo's heroics. The winger claimed that he was forced to train with 15-year-olds and 16-year-olds and was really disappointed with how it ended at Forest after scoring 26 goals in 171 appearances in the Garibaldi. The fourth piece of news in this week's roundup sees Forest say goodbye to head physio John Fern after just seven months at the club after joining last summer. Appointed by Chief Football Officer Ross Wilson in agreement with the owner, the hope was that Fern could use his 13 years of experience and expertise at Chelsea to address and improve Forest injury rows, with the Reds boasting one of the worst injury records in the Premier League that season. It's unclear at this stage as to why Fern has departed the club. The Reds have had slightly better luck with injuries this season, with notable absences of Felipe Gonzalo Montiel, Danilo and Callum Hudson-Odoi as the season has gone on. This is alongside the fact that it seems like Forest have only had one fit striker the whole season. Tower Awanyi, Chris Wood and Divokarigi have all had time on the sidelines. Forest preferred two of Wood and Awanyi have only appeared in the same game nine times out of the club's 25 Premier League games, but the pair do remain the club's leading goalscorers in the competition, Wood with eight and Awanyi with six. And finally, Forest welcome back their final AFCON absentees ahead of this weekend's trip to Villa Park. Since we last spoke to you on Friday 5, the AFCON final was contested between Nigeria and Ivory Coast, the latter coming out on top, winning 2-1 and becoming the first host to win the tournament since Egypt in 2006. 
While some were seen at the city ground during Forest's win over West Ham at the weekend, the winning duo of Ibrahim Sangari and Willy Bolly, alongside Nigeria's Ola Aina, were welcomed back to the training this week. Aina, not as pleased as the rest with the celebrations. That's it for AFCON. Until next year. Yeah, AFCON returns in 2025, but this time over the months of July and August, rather than at the beginning of the year, meaning clubs like Forest may be without key players during pre-season and as the campaign gets underway. At least that's it for another year or so. That's the latest from the 1865 News Desk. I'm George Edwards and you can find me on Twitter at GeorgeEdwards05 where you'll find links to an interview with ex-Forest striker Lau Taylor where he revealed a leg break sustained while out of the first team picture last season and how the club refused to treat him. Jamie will be back from Berlin with the news next week and I'll be at Villa Park this weekend hoping for back-to-back Premier League victories for the second time under Nuno. Have a fantastic weekend and come on you Reds. Thank you very much, George. And what a sterling job you did standing in at the 1865 news desk. Now, let's go through some of those stories in turn. Quite a lot to talk about in the first half of George's update, Tom, with uh, the lead story being the appointment of Mark Plattenberg by Nottingham Forest, a man who has had a long-standing relationship with Evangelos Maranakis, and seemingly that's bearing fruit for, well, for both of them, we hope. Yeah, I just thought it was strange when the news broke last Saturday. Uh, I think it was before the, well, pre-match, wasn't it, before the West Ham game. Um, Just seems a bit odd then since why it's been appointed. You can get your head around it and see why, but it's still a strange um, appointment because, if anything, it's probably going to like uh, alienate us further from the PG MOL because of, obviously, Mark Clattenburg might seem as like putting pressure on these like officials, i.e. the ones who were officiating last weekend, um, who are relatively new in the role. So I can see why Forrest, but I still think it's a strange uh, move in all. Maradona of the Midlands, uh, it seems as though the response from fans on the bits of comments, sections and social media that I've seen seems to have been, well, this makes us a bit of a laughing stock. What do you think? Yeah, I have to agree. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. It's it's kind of embarrassing, really. I mean, what 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 is he going to bring to it? Yeah, explain the rules to us. Yeah, it's just common sense. Everybody knows referees make mistakes, and uh, I don't. I don't. This sort of. I think this sort of mentality has come over from Olympiacos, where where everybody's against them. There's a conspiracy against them. It's them against the world, and um, they just can't accept that sometimes mistakes happen sometimes referees make bad decisions and to employ somebody to go through them it just seems ridiculous to me uh, but isn't that Maradona in the Midlands the same attitude that saw Manchester United be the most successful team in the country for for 10 to 15 years well they did have some good players and a good manager as well okay um Tom um what concerns you the most? Is it the the type of appointment or is it the fact it's Clattenburg? Probably the type, really. I mean, Clattenburg, when he was officiating, he was a really decent referee and he's took that into gladiators, hasn't he? So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, I just... When you, when you look at the um, isolated um, instance this season, it's, it is becoming a bit concerning that we haven't been given a penalty against Newcastle. We did get one against West Ham. It's 
it's a combination of uh, things. And then when you look at like the likes of Liverpool who get like softer penalties when Yotta went over the other week, I, I can see Forrest's grievance with it. But then if you look at the other team, I mean, look at Wolves at the start of the season, they um, were on the back of no end of um, VAR um, cock-ups and things like that. Mm. So, and they, they just got on with it and made sure the, like won the games in other ways rather than relying on VAR decisions. And at the time, um, before the game last week, I was like more bothered about when they were sending like letters to the PGA MOL about certain decisions. First and foremost, that game against Newcastle defends your box better. If you don't defend your box better, we might have come away with a point or if not three points kind of thing. But so I think we've got to sort out our own house in put our own house in order before we start like putting pressure on so, uh, to try and get decisions our way in my eyes. Married on the Midlands, I have a feeling you're going to agree with what Tom's just said. Yeah, and to be honest, I'm, this isn't going to be a, a popular view, but I can I can see why both the Newcastle penalty and the West Ham one weren't given. I, I think there's enough doubt in there for them not to be given. And then because the way um, Howard Webb has um, orchestrated uh, VAR now, where it has to be a high bar it to be overturned a really obvious mistake by the referee those were never going to be uh overturned i, I felt the um one where nico williams was, was trod on i don't think that is a foul i think if somebody accidentally treads on somebody's foot i don't think i don't think he should be given a penalty i think when var first came in there was a spate of these where people were sort of treading on people's feet and they were giving penalties but i'm not sure that is a penalty i, I really don't other opinions are available, Reds fans. And Tom, just uh, to, to come back to you, I mean, you, you mentioned about writing to to Pogmol and I mean, they didn't after the Newcastle and West Ham ones. And I suspect that's probably because they feel they've, they've played that joker too many times, don't you think? Uh, yes, boys cried wolf, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, it is. It is annoying with the... I mean, I can see on the Awani one, against Newcastle, but I just think, yeah, the West Ham one, I thought that was more of a penalty, but I can see where Maradona of the Midlands is coming from on um, that one. And thankfully it didn't really affect the game because, um, what is it, about 10 minutes later, hudson Adoy popped up. But uh, yeah, I just think the whole thing is, there's a lot of inconsistencies. And now, in my eyes, this is going off on a tangent really, but they're on about bringing this blue card in. It's like, sort the VAR out, get that absolutely bulletproof before you start implementing other uh, bits into the game, which I'm against the uh, blue card anyway. But uh, yeah, I think they need to concentrate on getting VAR consistently sorted out rather than coming up with other ways to, um, in their eyes, try and make the game better. Yeah, so there's something to be said there for the idea that all parties involved should put their own house in order before coming up with other suggested solutions. And Thinking about putting our own house in order, that brings us on to stadium redevelopment. And as George mentioned there, the idea of developing the stadium, introducing safe standing, the 10,000 capacity Peter Taylor stand and an extra 5,000 in the Bridgeford stand, and also the new training ground, museum, and all of the above, regardless of whether Forest retain their Premier League status or not, and to be done by 2027. Blumineck married on the Midlands. That's quite a lot, isn't it? It is. It seems ambitious. I, I don't see that many of the issues that have sort of dogged the club since, well, the 90s have really been resolved. If, if, if they're going to redo the Bridgeford end, 
I mean, the reason why it's got a funny little dip on the end is because of because of planning issues back back in the nineties, where the people that did behind the stand didn't want it blocking out all their light. From if I remember correctly, so I think that's that's added another layer of complexity to it. And I, it, people are still going to complain. The local residents don't want an extra ten thousand people turning up every every other week. And I think there are some genuine grievances and concerns for people who live around there. And even even as a as match going fans, I mean, at the moment, it's difficult getting out of the ground when there's thirty thousand people there. It's cramped. It's it's slow. It's congested. Adding another thirty three percent on top of that, I, 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 I don't know. It doesn't. It's not. I don't think it's so straightforward. But Maradon the Midlands. Would you agree that it's something that Forest have to do in order to be competitive in the modern game? Well, I think they need a new stadium. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to go down the unpopular route again now, and think, I'm going to say I don't think it's a bad idea to build a brand new stadium somewhere else where there's plenty of space, where you can park easily, where you can get in and out easily, where there aren't water pressure issues, where there aren't planning issues with neighbours, where there isn't a boathouse holding up everything, um, and where you're not where you actually own the land and you're not leasing it from a council who's skint now and sees Nottingham Forest as, the, as a golden teat of which to suckle some Premier League TV money. I mean, if I was in the council position, I'd be doing exactly the same thing. I see this club getting £100 million every year. I say, well, I want some of that, especially especially now that they've got no money and they're technically bankrupt. Well, OK, so a couple of things that come to my mind there. Firstly, I wasn't expecting the phrase golden teats to be used tonight. Um, second, <laughs> secondly, um, uh, married on the Midlands, you and I have been to the Medeski Stadium. You don't want that, do you? I don't, I don't think you can have a nice stadium, but I mean, the Medeski, it was just the fans more than anything that were annoying. And the, and the Bothokla, man. The Bothokla. That, that won't mean anything to anyone listening <laughs> other than Maradon the Midlands and myself. But um, I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously, there's 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 middle grounds to be found there. Um, Tom, one of the things and from your own interests and also from your background with the Supporters Trust, one of the things that, that you feel is that actually Forrest, especially now that Tom Cartledge is, is, is the chair, probably know way more about planning and how to make the most, how to squeeze the most out of the current location than many people on the council. Yeah. And another thing is that I go to majority of the away matches and you see like certain like other clubs, i.e. Liverpool, um, they, Anfield is in a built up residential area. And it seems like other councils seem to back their football clubs you go i mean birmingham city council they've um, got problems similar to nottingham city council in terms of bankruptcy but aston villa are trying to um, regenerate um, the area of aston with this villa live which is going to be a new entertainment complex on the back of the north stand and they've embraced it and they, they seem to be aligned to what they want to do to make that area of birmingham um, more um appealing to like on non-match days etc then you but then it just seems like the city of nottingham at the moment it just seems everybody's what is hell-bent on doing things to stop something good happening so um i mean what for whatever reason i mean with the city center i mean it's a broad marsh is a, a 
it's like a it's just it's not started has it really they've demolished it and it's just been left there it's just an absolute show and then you've got the city ground where um i want to stay at the city ground it's a I know it's a bit tight, but it's a superb location when you come over Trent Bridge and everything. Everybody knows the history about it. And I just think with, I think it's the council are very greedy to think, oh, now they're in the Premier League. Oh, let's have more money off Forest. And it's like, well, for Forest to get into the Premier League, they would have brought like more tourism to the city with like away fans spending the weekend here, hotels, restaurants, bars and everything. And, the council should be embracing that. And it doesn't, I went to the um, planning application meeting in 2022. And that afternoon, you're just like, why are they putting these like hurdles in the way? And if I had that for like an afternoon, what have Forest had for the last five years? Like, can can we do this? No, we can't. And it's just, yeah, the city ground, no, it needs to be fit for purpose, doesn't it? And the club want it to be fit for purpose but it just seems like every bit of progress you make somebody just wants to put like a hurdle in front of them just make it ultimately difficult for the club to progress off the field the 1865 match report we're pleased to announce that this episode of 1865 the nottingham forest podcast is sponsored by green king sport where football is more than a game Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Forest fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can catch every single minute of the action. If you download the Green King Sport app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's a match on the TV, but this month there's also free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. And you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast, with me, Rich Ferraro. And I'm joined by Tom and the Married on the Midlands for this Friday Five, in which we discuss the top five stories coming out of the city ground this week. And actually, that's not entirely true because the next story we're discussing is one that broke around this time last week. And that is the interview that Joe Lolly has done with a podcast in which he was highly critical of the way that Forrest forced him out of the club after promotion. He was talking about having to train with teenagers on uh, not being able to have access to the training ground and facilities and also the fact that he was informed about the decision to let him go via text message from the then head coach, Steve Cooper. Tom, I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, How do you feel when you hear those comments from a player who was an important part of the squad for four years? I'm a bit concerning because if it is true, I know there's two sides to every story, but Joe Lolly's come out and 
said this and then obviously there's been um, issues this season with Joe Worrell um, etc and it's not putting Steve Cooper in a good light because every fan out there is really appreciative of the job he's done etc um, and the, obviously the first man in 23 years to get us promoted but it's just leaving that like bitter taste in the mouth of everybody's like thinking he's this great person and, and he was probably unfairly treated and everything and then we, oh no we haven't heard Steve Cooper's side of it and probably never will but yeah it's a bit concerning when um, when players are like, like Joe Lolly's been a terrific servant for the club but I know he's had his injury problems but he never let us down did he and to treat somebody like that by text message I, I just think it's um, a bit below the belt that is if, I mean if a manager wants a player to go speak to him privately and they'll probably be like come to an amicable decision but don't send a text message I just think that's a bit unclassy to be honest uh, just to play devil's advocate married on the midlands we've had bomb squads for years before that and it seems to be a feature of something's happened under the ownership rather than something that's happened under any particular head coach or manager yeah maybe i mean but i've said it before on the on the pod that it always be Steve Cooper always made it really obvious when he didn't fancy a player. And it was really obvious he didn't fancy Joe Lolly quite quite early on, even with all the injury problems. Um, yeah, I agree with Tom. You, you should, you, somebody, even if they've not been a successful player at your club, just give them a phone call and explain it. But send, giving, giving somebody news like that by text message doesn't sound right. Um, and it's 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 a pity it ended like that with Joe. I, I, when we got promoted, I thought he could be a squad member for us. Those before I realised we were going to buy twenty nine players or whatever it was. I thought he'd be a decent enough squad player for us. So uh, yeah, to see him walking out the door and then going to Australia was a bit of a surprise at the time. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know the, the the consequences of having so many players in the club means that they, there's always going to be a bomb, a bomb squad because a coach can only work with so many players at one time. And that that is probably a constant. A major reason is the ownership and the number of players we bring in all the time. Yeah. And uh, Tom, just to come back to you now, again, you try not to pay too much heed to what's what's said on social media because a lot of people with the loudest voices shout the most and don't always have the most informed opinions, shall we say. But there are quite a few people saying it wasn't good enough and therefore, you know, he's, he's been paid handsomely. He wasn't good enough for the Premier League, so therefore he can't complain. What do you feel about that? Still going to um, treat somebody with respect, regardless of if he's a footballer or just your, your work colleague in like a, a factory. You've, his processes and, and protocols in place and like I said, it should, should have just been done just... When they come back from pre-season, you should have just like took him into the office and say, Joe, look, you've been fantastic serving. We appreciate the service, what you're giving to Nottingham Forest, but you're not in my plans. And if you're upfront and honest with a player, they would accept it rather than doing something a bit, like I said, below the belt by sending a, a text message. So, um, yeah, if that, if it is true, like I said, there's two sides to every story. If it is true, um, I think it's all right on Steve Cooper because I thought he... He's been mentioned, hasn't he, by players he's like really personable in um, on a day-to-day basis. And uh, yeah, I'd expect better from him if it is the case that he has sent a text message to say to Joe, get out of the club kind of thing. 
Mm, yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, it's uh, it's difficult to to disagree with that. Um, so yeah, you wonder if there's something more going on. Uh, one thing that's worth also noting, you'd mentioned about Joe Worrell, who of course has uh, gone out on loan, um, despite the fact they were apparently in dispute at the time. As uh, Danny Taylor of the Athletic has pointed out, Worrell was one of the people who made a point of of. A public show of saying thank you to the gaffer uh, via social media when Steve Cooper was relieved of his duties. Now, speaking of people leaving, this brings us to the next story, which is John Fern, who's only joined the club seven months ago at the start of this season, has left as the head physio. Uh, we don't know the reasons why, but married on the Midlands. Um, I mean, obviously, sometimes people take on jobs and they decide it's not the right environment for them. Uh, he's come from Chelsea, so maybe he's been commuting. Who knows what's going on? You know, there might be family things going on. Who knows? But let's talk about the stuff that we do know about, which is injuries. Forest still have injury problems. We've had a very thin squad, especially while the AFCON players have been away. Is there something we can expect better from our physio and medical staff, or do we just not know? <clears throat> I think um, a lot of it is down to a lack of a, a good pre-season. Um, I think that happened after the promotion season, and it's happened again this season because we brought in so many players late on, players who weren't necessarily involved with their clubs, um, thinking of Origi um, as one example. Um, I, I don't think there's anything particular that Boris are doing wrong. I, I can't imagine there is. Um, because it's it's, it's it's not rocket science, is it? It's just playing football. It's just, I can't imagine they're doing anything terrible to the players. Um, so I think it's just a bit of bad luck and, and bad preparation. Tom, uh, I mean, last season we definitely had uh, a, a higher than average number of injuries. Uh, this season, as George reported, it's not been as bad, but up front and in the forward positions has well, been where we felt it quite a lot. Luckily, we're well stocked at centre-half, so we've been able to cover there. But I'm just going to put the case here. Every single club in the Premier League is suffering a much higher number, or seem to be suffering a much higher number of injuries. And I'm just wondering if that's the inevitable consequence of the sheer number of games and that players have to face, given the real intensity of Premier League football these days. What do you think? Yeah, I, just, I agree with you to some extent there because Liverpool have got a huge amount of injuries and they're playing European football, aren't they? Um, I honestly do think it's this stop-start. Uh, there's a lot of pauses in the game and it's like, especially in winter, if you're standing around and then if there's like an injury or a VAR decision, the players are just like standing around, aren't they? And then you've got to get going again and... I'm sure that's got to be a consequence of players breaking down, etc. And uh, yeah, I just think we've we do play a lot of matches in the hundred minutes now, aren't they? And then it stops start over there. So naturally, players are going to break down because obviously you're not going to like keep really warm, aren't you? While you're just like waiting around and going again. So I think it's a consequence of that. And I just think the powers um, in football need to show a bit more empathy. Before, with football is welfare really you like like get the game going because I know they've got to get the decision right and sometimes it could take two or three minutes but the, the view at home suffering because they're waiting a long time fans in the stadiums haven't got a clue what's going on because obviously we, we don't know their conversation but then the players are like I think 
first and foremost, the players have got to be um, at the high list of the priority of like not letting them like standing around, like wasting like two minutes. They need to get the game restarted because, like I says, uh, players are getting injured um, more regularly, aren't they, at the moment? Mm. Uh, Married on the Midlands, just uh, very briefly, like you and I grew up playing football in the park when you had to avoid dog poo and and glass on the pitch and and divots all over the place and, and football pitches. You know, professional footballers then uh, you used to get be covered in mud. And we think back to uh, you know we're reminiscing, weren't we, recently about the uh, the uh, Rumbelows Cup semi final against Tottenham, which was basically White Hart Lane was basically a mud bath and all of those kinds of things. Pitches now, they don't cut up, they stay pristine all season long. And that's partly down to uh, the extra care they take, but it's also partly down to the fact that uh, synthetic fibres are added in there. Do you think maybe pitches are a bit too much like AstroTurf now and that's that's maybe contributing to the muscle injuries and so on? Yeah, maybe. That's that's not, not a bad point to make, actually. Um, that combined with sort of boots players wear now, and they're actually their bodies. If you look at a footballer now, is quite a different body shape from a player thirty years ago. That's sort of very wiry now, very lean, um, and it doesn't take. And they've all got lot. six packs, I suppose, to beer bellies. Yeah, and so maybe that extra bit of fat used to protect the players in the good old days. And uh, <laughs> just, uh, just the speed of the game is so so fast now. Um, and it's it's like it's like a hundred meter sprinters. They 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 get hamstring injuries very easily as well. They're just so finely tuned and taut and highly strung it's, it's easy for it to go uh the wang i suppose these days well there you go and um speaking of uh we you know those are players who are who are going off we mentioned afcon as well making the forest squad very very thin uh the afcon players have come back um tom was it okay for uh, Sangare and Bali and Ola Ena to have the extra weekend off last weekend because there's a lot of grumbles about it. Um, Simona Dingra played for Brighton on Sunday. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, diff- um, players are different, aren't they, of their um, training programs and things like that. Um, obviously, the um, guys from Ivory Coast will be celebrating and probably doing like certain events because it was in their home country and probably having ceremonies and this that and the other so then obviously they got the traveling back and as we know traveling for a um professional um football is uh it's a big topic isn't it of how much with the recovery and everything like that so um i, I got told far- off on social media for posting on our uh account at nottingham underscore forest about how long haul flying is really hard on the body um, and even if you're a professional athlete and you are flying in in premium economy or business or first class, it's going to take its toll. And I got told that that was, um, well, let's just say I got shouted down a little bit on that one. So, but, but yeah, I think it, it's easy for people to go on Twitter and have a go and says, oh, why aren't they playing last weekend? Because uh, Adingra was playing. And like everybody, like players are different and everything. And at the end of the day, it wasn't detrimental to the result because at the end of the day, we'll come away with a 2-0 uh, win against West Ham um, kind of thing. So, um, yeah, like, like I said, I presume that they're going to be in the squad this weekend. Um, well, definitely be on the bench. I don't think any of them will start because why would you uh, change the uh, side after that? Convinc- well, probably the most convincing win under um, 
in Premier League football um, since we've made our return to the Premier League. So, um, so yeah, if we have Sangori on the bench, Bolly on the bench and uh, Olaina, it's going to look, look stronger going into these next few months to obviously sustain our Premier League status. Parrot on the Midlands, uh, do you think that maybe there'd have been more of a rush to get those players back if it was not playing against West Ham in a wretched run? Um, yeah, I mean, I was a little bit surprised they weren't, like, that Nuno made the announcement that they weren't going to be involved at all. Um, but I think the main reason for it is because they wouldn't have been involved in training all week. It's, it's a lot It's a lot easier to prepare for a game with players who are there from Monday onwards. Um, so and are you did, talking about the tactical side of things as well as yeah, the physical tactical, side? Yeah, tactical, set pieces, all that sort of thing, all the uh, all the things they do. And, and, and um, so that... That would have sort of meant. So I thought maybe they would have been sat on the bench or something. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's we've got so many players. We didn't really miss them, did we? In that game, so I, I think it, I'm not sure if it, if they would have got involved, whoever we were playing. But I would have maybe thought they'd been on the bench and wouldn't have been such a big deal made out of it then. Well, okay, and that's where we'll leave it for today. Uh, we've discovered why the Maradona Midlands does not have a social media account, and we also want to say thank you to them both, uh, to Maradona Midlands and to Tom Newton, and finally to George Edwards for covering the 1865 news test this week. Uh, we will be back after the Aston Villa match with a report, which will be in your podcast feed on Sunday or Monday. Uh, thank you very much, listener, for joining us once again. Uh, we really enjoy your company and we will be back in your podcast feeds very soon. Come on, you Reds. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.